We're recording. We're recording? We're recording. Hello and welcome to the Pending Approval Podcast. We are a talk show highlighting the ups, the downs and the complete head fuck moments of the business world. I'm your host for the show, Glenda Wynyard. And we've got producer G, who tells me today she's on fire. I'm on fire today. I'm ready, ready to kick goals today. We're here at 6.45 because I'm late, uh, but we're here for episode two. We're actually exceptionally late because we tried to record this a couple of days ago and it was just a complete cluster failure. Absolute it was total failure. failure. So we're back again. It's been a big few weeks for us, hasn't it? Well... You've been away. Yeah, I have. Are you jealous? I am jealous because I'm tired. I'm tired now. We've been holding down the fort here without you. But I guess it was we'll... a week, G. Get over yourself. <laughs> we can touch on that later. We've been keeping everything running really smoothly. You know, we've had a few people away, and had some curveballs thrown at us, which we love here. Uh, but overall, I'm really happy that we got through it. To be honest. Yeah, I am too. First of all, I want to give a shout out to all those uh, people who are in business and suffering from those New South Wales and Queensland fires at the moment. It's absolutely horrendous. We had a fuck the Melbourne Cup party rather than the Mel- celebrate the Melbourne Cup, didn't we? Yeah, which is the right way to go. And I also found out we have a follower. One follower last night. How exciting. I was so excited. So a big shout out to Kim. We love you, Kim. Yeah, we do. Thank you for following <laughs> us. Please stay tuned. You were in London all of last week. Yes, I was. I want to hear all about what you were doing in London because I think you've been very secretive about where you've been and why you've been away. I don't think I was that secretive. I went to help the network or to judge as part of the judging panel for the Network One and the Indie Awards, which encompasses everything from awards for media and creative right through to PR and um, public good. Okay. And did you have any favourites that came out of this? I did. I really did. Look, I thought the media entry was excellent and what they had to do for the German army was just amazing. But the public good winner was something that was really close to my heart. Mm -hmm. The public good winner was by an agency out of the States called TBD. The campaign was called The Honest Yearbook and it was based around uh, youth mental health. Really tapped into the value of friendship to young people and mental health is a, an area that we work in. Basically, each young person went along to have their photograph taken, but they were shown a video of their friend, and their friend was talking about the value of their friendship and what it actually meant to them, what that person had actually done for them as a friend that they may not have even realised. You're getting a little bit emotional over there. Oh, I know. It was so emotional and... You know, when you put it into simple actions like that, it just can help those that are struggling from mental health or actually make someone realise just by being nice or being a friend to somebody how they can actually help them through their own struggles. That's beautiful. I heard you had a lifestyle PR piece that you really enjoyed as well. Bright Partnerships, a European PR agency, they developed the Glen Morange Partnership with Grain Surfboards campaign. And it was called Beyond the Cask. And again, this is a distiller that only uses their cask once. Which is quite common in distilling. It is quite common, but it's also a growing concern um, from an environmental perspective amongst their consumers. 
they uncovered this insight and said, right, well, we have to do something about it. And so they harnessed partnerships with other organisations that can actually use their grain and use their wood again. And one of the um, partnerships that they have is with an organisation called Grain Surfboards. And basically these surfboards are then manufactured using the, the casks. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful campaign. The insights were also derived from their customer base uh, their existing customer base and potential customer base. So, I, and then they married it back with a business case. And I think it was brilliant. Amazing. And then lastly, I want to talk about corporate PR and best in show. Yes, this was my very, very favourite campaign. So you've really uh, listened to what I had to say about that, I can see. <laughs> it's because just the notes in front of me, I can Siemens, tell you now. they created this campaign called Fabric. Now, this was developed by a a collaboration between uh, the King James Group and Atmosphere Communications out of South Africa. Incredibly complex and multi-dimensional campaign, but essentially the Siemens campaign married insights into Africa's infrastructure issues, along with cultural insights and also Siemens infrastructure technologies. So it was a complete shift in how you would approach a traditional tech based campaign it was amazing so essentially you've got Africa's tribal people moving into these big cities and the cities don't have the infrastructure to cope with the population shift from regional markets and you've got company like Siemens who are trying to tender for those infrastructure jobs and they actually needed to find a way uh, to communicate their point of difference so fabric is actually used by the tribes in Africa as a way to communicate with each other. So they took that cultural insight and then what they did was they took all of the city infrastructure and they actually created pieces of fabric using the six main cities that were suffering and that they were tendering for. And then they took those fabrics and they got these fashion designers to create basically a fashion show using the fabrics. So six cities were represented. You had six different versions of fabrics, three different designers. And then they have a fashion show for technology. And you think, you know, really, does this really work? But Siemens only invited the people that were relevant to them. So key journalists that were relevant to them in their industry. They really wove in the discussion around infrastructure and the fabric and why so the reason why they did these fashion shows was just huge all of the publicity that ensued from those this campaign were all about Siemens and infrastructure and their technologies it had nothing to do really with the fashion show that just happened to be the vessel that the communication piece was carried in and the outcomes the tangible business outcomes were valued in the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And I just thought that was amazing. To bring it back to this month's theme, how do you think that these brands pursued alternative spaces and why do you think they decided it was right to be there? I think that's really important for this month. Well, I, I look at Siemens, you know, that was pure genius. They adopted strategies that maximised their business potential whilst being truly relevant to their customers and their tar- all their target audience's needs and their own brand purpose. Which is really important as well when we're talking to brands about being 
very true to your target audience but also to what your brand purpose is absolutely these companies were brave they used alternative spaces but the business case for these alternative spaces were built and successfully achieved because they were founded on insight it's important for brands to not just dive into these spaces without a lot of debate and research and understand how your brand can partake but also to have a voice without making an ad per se. There always needs to be a purpose behind why you're there, what you're trying to achieve, so that you really don't go around that tokenism route, which is very important, I think, and I can't say it enough to brands, is that don't just dip your toe into these issues. If one of these brands were to just dip into these issues, immediately they would be cancelled, and cancelled culture is something that is rife at the moment uh, within many different audiences, but especially the growing youth market that we have today. I think you're right, but I also think as an industry, we've actually got a responsibility as well. We've got to engage partners outside of our own sphere, like it's our own expertise, to make these spaces actually work for clients. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I think that there should be consultants across anything that you're doing that kind of moves out of the realm of what you're used to and what your circle is. But the clients do need to embrace disruption because that's very difficult sometimes in some organisations. Absolutely. But this is the world that we live in. You know, people like the army have to get involved in these types of mediums. The American army do it quite well and they have a lot of influencers go into their army, do their basic training to really showcase what it's like to be there and they have a no holds back perspective on their social media so they're not lying about what it's like they understand that it's a true mental challenge to go through this sort of training and it really does break you down but what it showcases is that the people that are moving and going into it are still interested in moving into these spaces you know what's great with what you're saying about the American army is that they're embracing disruption and they're equipping themselves for excellence really aren't they because they're sitting there saying hey these are the guys that are going through executing in real time making sure that it's relevant to whoever it's there. When we're talking to brands it's really important for them to understand that they can't just dive into these spaces without a lot of debate and research and really understand how their brand can partake and have a voice without making an ad per se. It really needs to have a purpose behind why they're there and what they're trying to achieve so that they don't go down that tokenism route which is quite important these days especially with cancelled culture that we're seeing really rise through a lot of different age brackets but youth especially. Exactly. And your insight and human research should be telling you if people are interested uh, in brand support or if they're telling you to steer clear, don't you think? Absolutely. We should always base what we're doing on as much research and insights as we possibly can have to ensure that what we're doing isn't just, you know, sticking our finger in the air and hoping that it will work. Yeah. I think if you can take one thing out of today's Uh, or a couple of points out of today's podcast is that you've got to have the ability to integrate information from a whole lot of disparate sources like you've got to then pull those common threads together or that's the way I always approach it it's it's pretty important for you and then to be able to use instinct because instinct helps you consider the business impact that you're going to have with the work and and what you're going to be doing holistically as well 
I think people undervalue the value of instinct, don't you, G? I think that instinct needs to be meshed with insights, though. You know, your instinct has to be backed by as much research as you possibly have. Otherwise, it's just kind of what you want to do. Absolutely. It's an exercise of both that creative right brain and the analytical left brain. You've got to bring the two together. I also think people forget that there's so much information and data out there now, much cheaper than it ever has been. But you've to unlock that full potential, you've really got to change the way you interact with data. And I mean, I wrote a white paper once on how you can teach someone how to use a database, but you can't teach someone how to think to use a database. And I think the thinking process is really important because from a strategy perspective you've got to be able to translate all of these insights into data stories and provide that storytelling and I think the storytelling bit is becomes unraveled often. Look ultimately we all need to be engaging with partners embracing that disruption that we're seeing in the market equip ourselves for excellence And we also need to do all of this in real time. We can't be waiting. We can't have paused campaigns anymore. Everything needs to be right now, very reactionary based so that we can continue to move and go forward and develop. And that's it. You've got to keep evolving. So the best strategies, I feel, often have got long-term and short-term goals. So you need that long-term vision and then you need to build to it short term and short term steps how do we stop explaining the past and moving to anticipating the future because i know that we're talking about being very reactionary but how do you almost react to that comment how do you react to becoming you know a very anticipated brand i think you've got to remove the silos and start collaborating and co-creating with other functions Uh, As an organisation, I think that's part of the problem is lots of organisations in the past have always looked in silo and worked in so marketing's been separate from sales, sales have been separate from manufacturing, all that sort of thing. But when you get a company that's actually working together and they've actually broken down those silos so that the other functions are collaborating and I think that's where you actually get your best and you're able to then start stepping out of the past. And what do you think are some other takeouts for brands to understand to move into alternative spaces? Um, Look, you've got to ensure that that insight function is seamless uh, and it integrates both that creative and analytical thinking. I mentioned that before. It's very important that you get that left and right brain balance and working together. And then I think you've got to extend uh, the input of insight leaders So there needs to be a move towards leveraging insight leaders' expertise at all stages of the planning cycle, which means that there'll be different insights leaders at different times, particularly for a brand really important as they as they go through or a company or a product you know and how do you think that we identify who these insights champions are look it'll 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 depend on the process that you're going through at the time as to who's going to lead that one over the other but I think if people stop actually protecting their own turf and they start looking at how they can collaborate with other people that have got very different backgrounds to what they do I I mean I love throwing in people together that have come from all sorts of walks of life because you never know where you're going to get an insight from or how that's actually the direction that will take you through as long as it's grounded 
and it's got lots of support behind it from a research perspective, it actually really can work. I think we're really talking about here is experimentation. Oh, totally, because it actually helps you unlock these deeper and more diverse insights. I think you can also broaden them from just marketing only and provide some really objective uh, perspective as a partner of the business. I get really upset when I present research or insights uh, to marketing teams and there's a lot that I can actually tell them about, particularly when it comes to the language and and some of the conversations they could be having with potential business partners and things like that from a sales perspective. And then I feel like that research never gets, or those insights never ever are given over to the sales teams. I feel like it's kind of ignored some of that stuff that goes through so or when I talk to a company about what a customers actually want I feel like sometimes that's ignored and and I think that comes back to that context of how you speak to people what how people actually use your product versus what you think they use it for it's pretty clear to me that all of the winners from the indie awards that you obviously attended but also were a judge of had insights right at the heart of all of their campaigns and their branding but it was probably a real core piece of their brief as well. Absolutely look they used data and insights to inform and they implemented or actioned those insights throughout the campaigns so they really teased them out uh, to develop business-wide implications really it wasn't just about an ad campaign or a PR campaign or whatever it may be it was business-wide and they all had substantial sales results. And I think that's what I want to have our audience take away as well, is that your advertising campaign isn't just for your marketing team. It's not just Mm. to help your sales department. It's actually to help every facet of your business from your research and development teams all the way through to your CEO who's trying to drive those hard sales. So it's very important that you're engaging with these guys, understanding what they would want from a campaign when you might not actually need to talk to them about it. You might not need their approval, but sometimes it's nice to hear their opinion about what they think is working with your current marketing strategy and how you can move forward because it might just give you that piece of information that is complete gold to you and your brand, but you really never thought that it would come from that person. I think what it's really important, G, is for people, for marketers to realise that they shouldn't be afraid to be a little bit braver and a little bit different. I think that's actually what all those campaigns were. Well-founded insights, lots of work that had been put into place to make sure that those insights actually met all the business, you know, stakes and things like that. But the companies were brave. You can't be afraid. You, you could be a little bit afraid if you're confident in the team that you've got and you're confident in what's going to happen you can be really brave with it so I love my time in London because I actually got to talk to a lot of really interesting people and see a lot of really interesting campaigns I think we've been rambling on for long enough now do you G? I do I do I think I've got work to do okay it's already taken too long to record this episode keep moving forward everybody cheers GW